Paul? I've lost him. Oh, no, there he is. Come on, Paul. Um, Paul's been around in the city for 40 years. He came to the city... How long have you been in the city now? 40 years. He came here when he was one. Um, <laughs> and then a few more years. Uh, it's a real joy to have Paul. Paul's a real friend of the church here. Um, he's a real spiritual dad in the city, a real spiritual father, uh, and a real spiritual father to me and uh, to Sarah. And he and Sue are just a real blessing. So it's a real joy to have Paul here. Uh, he's part of a team um, who've been uh, in leadership. He's been in leadership with Sue for church here in the city for many, many years. So has a real heart and insight for the city um, and is working with many ministries across the city. And it's great that we're in partnership with him. It's a real joy being kind of in, in partnership in the city. I love him dearly. So he's a man who carries the Father's heart. So I've just said to him, come and share what's on his heart tonight. And I know he'll do that. Bill. Bill's going to come and, come and read the scripture, I think. Oh, there he is. Got people coming from all sides. Thanks, Bill. Okay. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 to 18. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. But the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Bill. Father, I want to thank you for Paul. Thank you for his partnership in the gospel in the city. Thank you, Lord, for his anointing and his heart to see your kingdom come in this city and beyond. For the ministry overseas in all the nations that he travels to. Well, thank you for his safe return from Mozambique yesterday. And we just pray that you give us ears to hear what it is you want to say by your spirit through your servant. Bless him. Bless him as he's amongst us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for your welcome. Hello. Are you okay? You won't go funny on me, will you? Are you okay? It just shows I'm insecure. I need some feedback, all right? Thanks for your welcome. It's um, a real treat being with you. I love this church. I tell you what I love about being here. There is such a wonderful heart to worship. And uh, <clears throat> when this city started, this has nothing to do with what I'm meant to say. When this city started... The devil tried to show uh, to sow a counterfeit worship into the foundations of this city, as you know, in the Roman baths, all that stuff. I tell you what, heaven always overrides what's done in counterfeit with a magnificent display of the true deal. There's worship in this place. There's a beautiful heart of worship, and I tell you what, that's an absolute key for having heaven being 
broken loose amongst us. So you just keep that beautiful heart of worship here. Um, I love it. I love it. I think you should do it for hours and hours in this place. I really do. I think you should have a night of worship where it's just abandoned to heaven and just outrageous until God cannot resist walking with his presence amongst you. Uh, that's just a free side thing, okay. But I think it's good news. I, think, I do. I think you should do it. I think you should have a night of worship, outrageous worship. Throw the doors open and just let anybody come in who's prepared to bow their knee and just love him. Do it tonight. Okay, it's on. Are you ready? So, okay, I've got a clock in front of me and Tim has given me very strict instructions that in this church you're out by seven. Thank you for your welcome. Um, uh, this scripture that, uh, about the one another's, um, I want to just chat around that for a minute and hopefully we could just ask him to help us in the middle of that. Uh, it, it fascinates me that in the New Testament... At least, if not the old, there are more scriptures about corporateness and familiness than there are about the individual relationship with God. That might surprise you because, of course, its primary number one is that we know him intimately from our hearts. But it's only as the prelude to this longing in his heart to have an outrageous family on earth. And therefore, there's so many scriptures about corporateness but I have to pay attention to the weight given to that if I'm to, if I'm to understand his heart. And, and when I look at that, I think the father is longing for a family, listen to me, this is outrageous, that looks like the Trinity on earth. You didn't particularly get that. Or oh, you did, and you think, so what? I said again, I think the whole Trinity has a burning passion that what they enjoy amongst themselves be reproduced amongst God's family on earth. That's why God hates religion, because it makes us go odd. But the Trinity has this outrageous passion to reproduce something they have amongst frail human beings who fall in love with him and he does something in their hearts. Don't you? You're going to have to do something tonight because I'm working really hard. And uh, I believe it. I really believe in the Trinity, in the passionate community of the Trinity. They, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, want to find somewhere a people who could reflect what they're like and so the wor world gets stunned by it. So, this whole thing of the attributes of God, the, the nature of God, constantly fascinates me. Uh, this, the, the, I was thinking about... Um, I was thinking about Moses, who's one of the profoundest engagers with God in the whole Old Testament. And do you remember that very famous passage, don't go to it, in Exodus 33, where God, Moses is saying to God, God, if you don't go with us, we're not going to go because what will distinguish us from everybody else except what? Your what? Your presence. There's this longing in Moses that tangibly God would be seen amongst them in such a way that they were altogether different from every other people. You remember that bit. But it's like Moses goes even further than wanting God's presence. What's his next request to God? Could you just, you have to talk with me. What's his next? Yeah, what does he say? Now, Lord, show me your glory. 
How outrageous a request is that? Don't you think? Here's this frail human being engaging with the almighty God who sends stars zillions of miles away all over creation. And this human being is saying, Now, Lord, show me your glory. Why does he ask that? He's asked for his presence. Why does he say, show me your glory? And do you think God said, how dare you? You cannot ask for such things. That's not the interchange, is it? It's like they're caught up with something between heaven and earth where this human being is saying, Lord, I'd like to see what you're like. Show me your glory. Do you think God was pleased with the request? What do you reckon? Could somebody say yes? He was. He was thrilled that a human being would say, I want to see what you're like, God. Show me your glory. And we introduced this idea of glory, which is a bit of a, mis- a mysterious word. It sort of threads through scripture, but it basically, in the Old Testament, um, kabod is about the weight that comes in front of a human being from heaven. The weight of God appears in front of a human being. And when Moses prays it, what fascinates me is from then onwards, whenever God shows his glory, he displays something about his nature, what he's like, his attributes, that he wants to display so human beings can not only be wowed, listen, but they get changed when they see it. Are you with me still? All right? I'm trying to get somewhere. So, so here's this deal. God reveals his glory and instantly says, I'm going to make my goodness pass in front of you, Moses. I'm going to hide you in the cleft that's like the picture of us hidden in Jesus. And I'm going to show you something about myself that will astonish you. My goodness is going to pass. How many of you have ever said, God, show me your glory? How many of you know if you do, you're setting yourself up for some encounter with him that's guaranteed if in your heart of hearts you're saying, God, I'm so hungry, show me what you're like. Do you ever get that kind of hunger? And so here's Moses and then God passes by him and reveals his name and his goodness in an astonishing way. I don't know what would happen to you and me if God did that. So we're kind of aware this word glory is about him revealing something of himself that when it happens to us, we change by that revelation. You you know this thing of attributes, there are some things we can receive from God and there are some things we're not allowed to ever, ever imitate of him. So, you know, we we never get to, we never ever cross a boundary about his, for instance, his all-powerfulness. You know, none of us is due for that. But I tell you what, there's other things about his nature that he longs to share with us in such a way we start to become like him. Is that true? They're called in, Tim's very learned. I I looked at Tim for my kind of, because he studied. The communicable attributes fall upon our lives and we start to become like God himself. Other things we're not allowed to touch. They're awesome things about God that we have no right to get near to. But this glory thing, you think, what's this all about the one another? I'll get there. This glory thing fascinates me because some people think it's just a cloud. Oh Lord, show us your glory. There'll be a... Yes, it can be a cloud. It can be a real tangible cloud. But I love it when God shows up manifestly and reveals what he's really like amongst human beings. 
Just turn with me to 2 Corinthians, that verse um, that Bill read out. Where's Bill? Thank you for doing that, Bill. You're a hungry man, aren't you? You're hungry for his presence, aren't you? I believe he put that hunger in you in the first place as a gift. Because I can't even manufacture hunger. But when it comes inside your heart, you can be sure you're setting yourself up for some fresh encounters about him that will absolutely stun you. And he put the hunger there in the first place, which is cool, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. All right, it says this. This is the end of us want to read, because this is the deal. Verse 16, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. What's the veil, please? Help me. Yeah, what, what's it due to? Sin. So when everyone turns to the Lord, blood of Jesus completely cleanses us. You are now blameless in front of him. And so the veil is gone. Now you get to see things you never got to see before you were cleansed by his blood. The veil is taken away. And this is the verse. Come on, look at it and get a little bit Sunday night stirred. And we who with unveiled faces all contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That, that's a fascinating passage. Just stop there for one minute. So Paul is saying in the Old Testament, I know this is a bit, you know, Paul is saying in the Old Testament, the veil meant that the Old Testament was all about the law, getting it right, all that stuff. Even that came with glory. Paul's saying, even the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, actually came with glory because God appeared to Moses in that way. He's kind of saying, now the veil's been taken away. Now you've been cleansed by this precious, powerful blood of Jesus. Don't you think the glory that's going to come in front of us is going to be even more astonishing than it ever was in the Old Testament? And what it seems to be saying, and this is the bit I wanted to get to, it seems to be saying this, when you and I contemplate or behold some evidence of what God's like, listen, and you look at it, your heart starts to be changed by that glory coming upon your heart and transforming you from what you were like, even to be like him. So there's a process somewhere, this sounds a bit deep, there's a process somewhere where the more you behold him, the more you become like him. Does that make sense? Isn't that what that's saying? It's like the more we look at him, the more I behold, the more I experience something of what he's like, somehow it begins to change my heart to actually become like God. You think that's outrageous? No, we're back to the arena in which he wants to transform us as opposed to his attributes we have no access to be like. I don't want to just be wowed by God. I'm desperate that he transforms my heart from what I've been like so I can be part of that community he longs to see on the earth absolutely stunning the world. Did you understand? Does that make sense? So, so that's why when we worship him, when we look at him, when we turn our hearts to him, when we read his word, when we ask him for revelation, when we just be still sometimes which is pretty tricky in this world, isn't it? 
Can I promise you from that verse, when you look at him like that, something happens in your heart where you get a transformation from one degree of glory to another. Well, how hungry are you? Are you? It's a question. How hungry are you? I'm so hungry, aren't you? I think... God, I feel pathetic sometimes, but I'm so hungry that you somehow, this glory would touch my heart that I'm due to have because the veil has gone, it's been taken away. So Father, show me your glory. Not so I can get tell some. I had a wonderful experience of God the other day. That's cool, but I'm much more hungry that in seeing him, beholding his glory, something changes inside me where I'm now much more like him and reflect him to others. Do you understand? And I've, I've been through all sorts of places where God seems to move very powerfully. I absolutely love it. I love his presence. I love it when the Holy Spirit is moving. But I'll tell you what, I love it when he invades my heart in some tangible way. And I know I'm changing from what I was, from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. How many of you hate staying the same over and over again year after year, month after month? A bit crabby here, a bit crabby there. I hate that, don't you? I think, God, change my heart so I can, I can keep drinking in these wonderful attributes and so become more like you. We contemplate. We worship him. We look at him. I realize, you know, I'm getting to one side, but I'm looking at the clock. I realize that if I contemplate myself, look at myself, I'm always concerned about myself, I'm always worrying about my needs, I'm always thinking about how do I get to come across, do you like me? All that rubbish, I'm contemplating me, and I'm simply staying the same as I am. But if I get over myself and start to absolutely look at him, something happens inside me that I absolutely love him to do inside, which is to change me. That's why it's very hard to be kind to one another. Forgive me. Are you his, her husband? Are you? Did you mind her shopping yesterday for Christmas? That was okay. Did she have your wallet? No, okay. That's, that's what she did. That's why, listen, that's why I can't be kind, what was your name? Andrew, to Andrew by trying harder. I don't think it works trying to be Christian. Do you? Come on, guys. Look at me like you've experienced the same feeling. I don't think, I don't, I'm not very good at doing the Christian stuff. You know, a smile, a wink, a kind of, you know, I, I can keep an appearance. I don't want an appearance. I want my heart to be transformed. Don't you? Don't you? So, I, I can have a go at being kind because it's Sunday evening. I can smile, shake his hand and say, really nice to meet you, Andrew. Hallelujah. But you know, that's, it's rubbish if inside me I'm still the same, same as I was before. I really would love it that he so overcomes my heart with his glory that when I meet Andrew, I communicate something of God's heart through me to him because I've been touched by his glory in me. Wouldn't you? I'm not very good at doing Christian stuff. And some of you may be good at it. I'm not good at trying to do the Christian stuff, but I do know when he's touched my heart, it seems to affect my whole view of people. And now, I'm a bit more like him. 
Show me your glory. What if we prayed that here tonight? We got time. No, okay. We got time for his glory? Ah, oh, it's busy. I've got to get home, have my hot chocolate or a glass of wine. You're all Anglicans here, it's wine, isn't it? Okay. No, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> sorry, that was a really embarrassing joke. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. That's... You know the Anglicans drink more wine than the whole rest of Christendom? We'll make up for it in the new feast. Okay, so so listen, listen. I want to be really honest and vulnerable, don't you? I don't want to put up a show that says, here's my Christian personality. God help me. I'd like to be completely messed up by his glory to the point where he's managed to get deep inside me and now I'm going from one degree of glory to another. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't that stun the world to have a whole community of people who've been so overwhelmed with his nature touching them that the world thinks, boy, you've got something that actually, actually makes you different. Show us your glory, Lord. Otherwise, we're just like any other people. I pray for you as a church, and St. Matt's here, really honest, and this is off the... I pray for you that something unusual will happen in this church, like a new wineskin that can hold new wine, and it's not a patch on an old wineskin, because that just rips off, but something will happen here that is so beautifully fresh that the whole of this community around here is absolutely stunned at an unusual people. It's not a bad prayer for you, is it? Is it? Is that all right? Amen, Lord. Do it. The trouble is it's uncomfortable because being touched by his glory constantly means you can't stay the same. You yield a bit more and he gets in a bit more. I've prayed, Lord, I'd like you to absolutely overwhelm me with your love. That's, that's a good starter. Pickle me, mess me up, undo me. Yeah, but I've got to hold things together a bit, otherwise people will wonder. I don't care what people think. I want to be overwhelmed by him, don't you? I'm having a rant. I won't be back for another year now, but it's just my shot. Do you understand? Show me your glory, Lord. Something in Moses' heart deeply moved. Lord, I want to see what you're like. And so we come to a verse like, like, like tonight's verse. Ephesians, thank you for. <laughs> just go read 2 Corinthians 3 sometime, will you, this week? Just go read it and just say, Lord, I, I, want, I want that in my heart. The veil is gone, guys. We're meant to be stunned. The reason I love worship, I don't like me songs very much. I'm getting off one. Me songs very much. I'm sorry, there's a time for me songs. I really, really love hymn songs. Why? Because I know we're now. <gasps> Jesus, you are absolutely stunning. Why do near-death people who die and come back again, the radiance that hits them when they breathe the last breath, is just like, God is just absolutely stunning. Religion makes him small, mean, bad-tempered, and kind of fits the box we want to squeeze him into. But when we worship, heaven opens and we go, Ah! <gasps> Wouldn't it be something if, that's why I say all night worship, wouldn't it be something if sort of we all crowded in and after about three hours we're completely on the floor, stunned by his blazing glory filling the room? Well, I think it would be fun. Be kind and compassionate to one another. So I think, oh yeah, that's right. Be more compassionate. Paul, try and, try and be more caring to people. Those are two of the primary attributes the Father in heaven wants to pour into our hearts. 
They happen to be profound in his nature. God, I want more miracles. Lord, I want, you know, the gifts. That, that's all cool. I actually want him to change me with his kindness, his compassion. So I actually become like him in that way. Could somebody read out? What book are we in? Bit of jet lag. Ephesians. Could somebody read out Ephesians 5.1 really loudly to me, please? Really good voice, like. So stop. What did you say? What did you say? Just read that again. No. Is that what you... Imitators of God? Yeah, go on, Hayden. You're doing really well. Huh? As dear children. Did you say be imitators of God? What do you think? Is that something? So Paul kind of comes in on top of all this, get rid of all your bitterness, all your anger, all your you know, horrible talk, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as he's forgiven you. And then he kind of stuns us. You know, we kind of tick these scriptures off, don't we? So that's a nice one for the fridge. or put that on the... Listen, guys, the invitation of heaven is, would you like to be like God? <laughs> would you like to imitate God? Don't be so arrogant. How dare you think you should... I- well, that's what... Would you read it again, Hayden? I really like your voice anyway. Go on. Whew, go on. I like whatever's next. Say it. Oh. Okay, okay. Can you see how it just goes on, doesn't it? He's, the invitation is, dearly loved daughter, dearly loved son, of a father who thinks the world of you, would you like to learn to imitate him on earth? Be kind and compassionate to each other. It's quarter to seven. Can I have six more minutes? Is that all right? Three for kindness and three for compassion. You Anglicans really want your wine, don't you? Okay, I'll stop saying that. Listen, tell me what you think of kindness when you think of that word. Just say some words you associate with kindness. Huh? Generosity? Just, there's no right and wrong. Relax. It's more. Somebody. Huh? Empathy. Selflessness. These are good. Come on. Thoughtfulness. Good words. Mothers. Encouragement. Just, just hold over too fast. Kindness. Somebody's kind to you. Think about it. What it does to you when somebody's kind to you. Something tender and considerate, isn't there? And warm and kind of just, you kind of go, oh. Uh, about 10, 11 years ago, we went through, a, my wife and I went through, not together, I mean together, but not together. Whichever way around that goes, we went through a real bad storm. Not with each other, I mean together. A really bad storm. And, and long story, uh, it's one of, but, but, and it completely demolished all my confidence, my kind of, I went into a pretty low spot. And I stayed at home a lot in that time. I was so down. We do get that way sometimes, don't we? And, you know, people prophesied, and that's cool. That was helpful. Well, some of it was helpful. 
But you know, one day in the middle of my worst mornings, when I get up and think, I've got no map, I don't know what to do, there was a knock at the door. We were living on Coombe down up there. There was a knock on the door. And there was a lady there with a basket. And uh, she, she knew me. I didn't know her, but she lived up there. And bear in mind, the mornings were bad for me because I, had no, I didn't know what to do with my days. So she's got this basket and she says, um, your name's Paul, isn't it? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, well, God gave me an instruction this morning I woke up and he told me to bake some fresh biscuits for you. Well, you have to understand, I think it was biscuits or cakes. Anyway, she'd done some fresh baking. So she hands this basket out to me and she's got a lovely little card in there. And this sounds strange to you, but I began to cry. Why would God wake up somebody to bake me something really nice to eat when I'm as low as I've ever been in my life? I cried because I realized the kindness of God in my misery was tangibly just in this woman. I just cried. I thought, how can you? That's the nature of kindness, isn't it? It kind of undoes us. Somebody is aware of us from heaven. and That's a simple thing, isn't it? My wife is very kind to me. Before I left uh, this trip, I just had to do a sudden trip somewhere. And before I left, I was in a bit of a state for two or three days because we were so busy and da-da-da-da. And she kept doing little things for me that she spotted I needed done, but I hadn't asked her. And she'd just go into town and do some shopping and come back, and then she'd help me pack my case. And Simple thing, isn't it? To one another, be kind. Be kind in your home. Be kind with your words. I'm stunned that King David, having beaten all his enemies and now finally in an ultimate victory on his throne, wakes up one morning and remember what he says. Is there anyone left in the house of Saul, his enemy, who I can show kindness to? That's a stunner, isn't it? I mean, I love Tim. He's not an enemy of mine. He's a friend of mine, so I'm going to be kind to him. But, you know, we've all got a few folks we're not so keen to be kind to, haven't we? And here's David. Is there anyone left I can show kindness to? I promise you when you show kindness, you show it like he shows it, now we're coming into his nature, especially to those who get up your nose in some way or really have let you down and you send them something, I promise you it undoes offense in the most remarkable way. Simple. A kind word, a kind act. Flowers, whatever it is. I'll tell you what, God's people should have a river of that kindness flowing around where we no longer stand away from those who we find really difficult, but actually we're deliberately kind to them, and it undoes something. And then we've got this word compassion. That was four minutes on kindness. We've got this word compassion. Do you know what? Give me a definition, somebody. Come on, do your best. Compassion. Have a go. Second, suffering alongside them. Very good. Suffering alongside them is a further dimension with compassion. Can anybody add to it? It is being moved. 
It's engaging with somebody's distress or suffering, but listen, the important bit, with the intention of alleviating it for them. In other words, you're going to do something that actually changes because you've spotted the suffering, but you've also got an intention to do something that alleviates their suffering. Compassion is an active expression of love. Does that make sense? And so, again, I'm, I, you know, when you go back to Exodus, when God finally passes in front of Moses, do you remember what he declares? The Lord, the Lord, what's the first word about him? The compassionate. You can think the powerful, the astonishing, the magnificent, yeah, all true. The first word God displays to a human being is, I'm compassionate. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faith. And it's just like, oh my goodness, this is the very nature of God he wants to put inside me. The compassionate. And so this, this, this word which mm, I've seen in action just in all sorts of ways where you identify with somebody's suffering but you also intend to do something to alleviate it. Do you remember Luke 15? This is in my Bible, the central verse of the whole New Testament, Luke 15, 20. I'll finish with this because you look like you've really done now. Luke 15, 20. What does it say? When he was still a long way off. Remember the verse? Come on. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Go on. And was filled with compassion. And that's how he wants us to be. He's filled with compassion at those who are suffering quite far away, if you like. He wants us to have some capacity where we see them and see the suffering and we go out towards them and we do something to alleviate the suffering. Of course, in this case, the father ran to him. He ran. And I, can, I could go all night telling you about compassion. The deal is I need to experience it from him in a tangible way of his glory on me so that when I look at others, I'm moved by his moving, not by me trying to be a bit of a nicer Christian. God help us from being nicer Christians. God deliver us from being nicer Christians. Do you understand? Please don't misquote me. Don't say, well, you said we should be harsh. No, I didn't. I just said we have to engage with his glory so that actually what pours out of us is astonishing like him and now God is on the earth visible. Be imitators of God. So, um, I'm going to stop there. I promised I would. But, but, Kindness and compassion come before miracle. Because if we're after miracles without compassion, I don't think that's reflecting his heart. I'm all for the miracle, by the way, but I'd like my heart really moved by the person. When Jesus saw the crowd, he says he healed them all. His heart was filled with compassion and he healed them all. I really want my heart to be moved by compassion before I look for the display of his power to alleviate it. Okay. So I'm trying to be good. You can see that. I'm stopping. There and then. I want to pray together. I want just to just ask him to come. Would that be okay if we do that? Would you like to stand up and stretch? And Like Katie, you can sit down.
You just stay sat down. <laughs> I, I don't want to be clever, and this is not a prophecy, but you know what? I believe the second. Second child's really big deal to God. This one. Really big deal to him. I don't have a. I, I waited on the Lord if I didn't get anything, but I really just felt His presence is so on this second child. Not just for birth, but for the whole future. There's something going on in it. So we do, really do bless you with, with the ability to bear this, but it's big deal to God. This child. Really big deal. Um, so. Just close your eyes for a minute, could you? Do you mind doing that? Just close your eyes right around the room. I don't want you to be distracted by anybody else. I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. You know, having the veil taken away is when you completely give your life to Jesus, have his forgiveness. Get swept up by his love and start a whole new adventure where he changes each one of us. I want your eyes closed. I just want to simply say this. If there's anyone in the room here where you've never completely surrendered your life to Jesus, who absolutely loves you and wants to take the veil away, I just wanted to stop for a moment and say, you could do that tonight. You could surrender your whole life to Jesus who is completely king over all but loves you and have a start to your life where things change from tonight onwards. There may be nobody in the room. I'm really cool with that. But I want you to close your eyes still. And if there's anyone here you've never surrendered your life to Jesus who loves you and gave his life for you, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. And I'm going to ask you, if that is you and you want to, you just hold your hand up so I could see you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to have the chance to. Anyone here, you want to give your life to Jesus tonight, would you just wave at me so I can see you? That's really good that we're all his. If you've got that kind of really hot, difficult feeling, it could just be he's pulling on you because he loves you. Mm. I'm going to pray for his glory to come amongst us. And if you're hungry for this wonderful revealing to your heart of something of his nature. You could just hold your hands out to him or you could... Mark, can you play as well? You could just hold your hands out to him or whatever. He just loves the hunger that you might want to whisper to him, Lord, I'd like, show me your glory. I don't want to be a nice Christian. I, I want to be completely overwhelmed with what you're like. I want to be kind because I've experienced how kind you are to me. I want to be compassionate because I've experienced a father's compassion. You might want to put your hand on your heart or hold your hand out, whatever. 
Just take a moment, please. Don't be distracted. And Father, I ask you, release your glory in this place. Father, we need that beautiful touch on our hearts. We don't want to stay the same, sometimes unkind, sometimes uncaring, sometimes a bit hard, sometimes harsh to the one closest to us. Father, I pray for every man and woman here that you'll undo us with your very nature and your love. But we'd like to imitate you. That's an incredible invitation. We'd like to imitate you. Lord, I'd like to do that tomorrow when I'm walking down the street, when I'm just at work, when I'm in my home with my wife. Lord, I'd like to be kind and compassionate. Lord, I'd like to be the one who goes even to those I don't like and shows kindness. Father, I ask you, touch us with your glory. Spirit, break down the walls in our hearts. That, what I ask you to take away defenses we keep up, but just the way we protect ourselves. Lord, I pray for every man and woman that we will not be so absorbed with ourselves that we can never contemplate what you're like and be stunned. I pray for men and women in this room who long to see your face more. That, Father, you would answer their cry even in the night times with your presence. Lord, I pray for a great hunger in this church that has to have more of you and cannot be done with the same old wineskin. Please, Father, would you stun us with what you're like? so we can imitate you. Let's just worship him for a moment. Can we turn? And, and as you just take a moment to worship, not as a song, but as a, a kind of Lord, show me. Open the eyes of my heart. Let your glory fall.